The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. And my name, ladies and gentlemen, is Carlos. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us. <laughs> welcome back for another week. Man, you know, guys, like, coming into 2020, I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I thought, I thought it was going to be the type of year where Lucasfilm was going to try and, like, wean us off a little bit, let us just kind of go to ground a bit, calm down. Just be quiet for a year. You know, treat us to Clone Wars and Mando Season 2. But otherwise, I thought they would try and just keep things a little bit quiet for the first part of the year. Uh, and which would result in us, us as podcasters scrambling for content. But that has not been the case at all. Like, If anything, lately I found myself having to cut things and bump other items down the road. Um, like We've had so much to discuss. And like this week's no different. Like Another crazy rumor-filled week. On top of a huge birthday to celebrate, and we, you know, we're going to get to all that in this episode. Uh, but as always, guys, I like I like to catch up with you guys. Uh, how you guys doing? How was your week in the galaxy far, far away, Carlos? Um, it was it was cool. It was uh, you know the watching the uh, Disney the the Mandalorian uh, gallery, and um, that was fun. And a little, a uh, little bit of uh, Lego hunting, and that was fun. Uh, but as far as uh, actually, no, I watched Rogue One this week, so that was cool, cool too. Yeah, I heard it's alright. And right. yeah, <laughs> it's not bad, not, not bad, not bad. Uh, what else? Um, I dropped uh, one of my discoveries in the uh, Facebook group, which uh, I was so happy to hang on to for so long, and still everybody was caught off guard, which was awesome. We could talk about that later if you want. Uh, and uh, what else? That's it. Then other than that, um, apartment hunting, shopping for furniture, um, and a gorgeous long drive in the Laurentian Mountains today. Uh, windows down. And uh, yeah, rejuvenating. It was nice. Very nice. Yeah, today was the weekend was just gorgeous. Like finally, you know, it's the middle of May, and it like spring has finally come. We're gonna have it for a couple of days, and then it's gonna go into like twenty three, twenty four, twenty five degrees by the end of the week, and we're in summer. <laughs> you know, like so true. Our spring lasted about you know three, four, five days. Not that I'm yeah. complaining, because I'll take the sunshine, I'll take the warm weather. I'm out there doing yard work this weekend. Um, it was painful, dirty, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really hot in some t- at some points, frustrating, but uh, it was nice to get back out there and, and start working around the yard. And this week I'll probably start working on the pool, get that trying, you know, trying to get that up and running. Uh, so it's gonna be thirty looking. degrees then the, on next weekend. So yeah. Yeah, it's going to be warm. It's going to be real real warm real quick. But, uh, Corey, what's going on with you? How was your week in Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Uh, I'm kind of on the same page as Carlo in the sense that uh, 
you know, Friday evenings always kind of nice now coming home for at least the next, what, another five weeks of getting an episode of the Mando gallery, which is always nice, you know, like, I mean, unfortunately, uh, no one in my family is really into documentaries <laughs> as much as I am, especially when it comes to this subject matter, unfortunately. But uh, regardless, like I kind of just bide my time, I wait till the end, everybody's sleeping and uh, it's kind of like something I get to do on my own, you know, there's, there's something about it. And I, you know, I pause, I rewind. I, it's awesome. It's a really great show. And other than that, I'm on the same page as you guys both in the sense that, you know, it was uh, a beautiful weekend for once. Well, today was beautiful. We'll say that. But right, like Kyle said, like we literally skipped spring because this is Victoria Day weekend out here. It's a holiday weekend, long weekend. And it's usually kind of the unofficial kickoff to summer festivities and whatnot. Canceled. Uh, <laughs> canceled, yeah. Summer is but canceled, folks. Either way, I mean, just getting out there in the sun does body good like i'm feeling a little exhausted right now but at the same time it was like carlos said rejuvenating you, you got your vitamin d cory yeah you got a, you got a big good. dose of vitamin d cory uh, not so bad i mean i was pretty much outside <laughs> all day but you know <laughs> sword fighting with my son carved some sticks it was awesome good sounds like fun <laughs> <laughs> It kind of got exhausting at a point, though. It's like again. I was like, uh. yeah, yeah. That's well, yeah. The boys like to do that again, again. Oh man, can I go just sit down for a while? Um, <clears throat> I can't believe you. How many times I got that stick wrapped off my knuckles? Oh, it's the worst. My son keeps ca- catching me right on the fingers with his lightsaber, like right at the tips. Man, that kills. Like I'm, I, I yelp like a little dog. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jesus. And then it's like, oh, man, I must sound like a loser to my own kid. Hopping around <laughs> holding my fingers as he beats me with a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I want to say thanks to John and Zach from Star-, Star Wars TV Talk for having me on their podcast last week. Uh, I got a chance to sit with them last Wednesday, and we had a really, really good conversation about all kinds of Star Wars-shaped subjects. Um, so if you're already subscribed to them, then you'll hear that podcast soon. Um, if not, then I'll, I'll share that episode when it drops and you can check it out then. But yeah, they're two really solid guys. I, I was really happy that they asked me onto their show. Hope to do it again. Cause it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, otherwise my, my week in star Wars, uh, we watched the Tartakovsky star Wars series a couple of times over both. Awesome. Volumes. Yeah. How, how long is that again? <clears throat> Total two hours. Yeah, about that. Yeah, about two hours. I think each disc is about about an hour. So yeah, carve out a you know part of an afternoon and and you're done. And it's it's really cool. It's it's heavily stylized. Like I love Samurai Jack, so this is like right up my alley. Um. So yeah, my my son loved it. He's actually the one. He's like, can I can we watch this? I'm like, hell yeah, we can watch this. Um, and he, then he wants to watch it again. So no problem there. Uh, we watched Solo over the weekend, which was cool. Forgot about that movie, and it was nice to pop that in there and have some fun with that. Um, and then, of course, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but Gallery Episode 3, which I think is every bit as cool as, as the show it, it's covering. But uh, I, I don't know if, if... Well, I know you guys follow me on, on the, the socials, but anybody else? Um, my son found my VHS copies of the animated Ewok and the animated Droids movies, the ones from the 80s. Um, 
and he wanted to watch them really badly. So I had to dust off the old VCR, hook it up to the TV, and wow, <laughs> are those hard to watch. Like that, it's it's truly painful, guys. Like it's really bad, really bad stuff. And I would don't like it'd be one thing if they were like kind of cute but and funny and silly, but they're just bad. They're just bad. Like my, my I was outside at one point doing doing the yard work and my wife was um she was inside and she was like she asked me on the side, she's like, How long is this Ewoks thing? I'm like, Oh, it's it's the movie. It's like it's a good hour plus. She's like, It feels like it's been on for three hours. This is horrible. <laughs> Oh yeah, truly painful stuff. But uh, the VCR works just fine. Hasn't been played in like 15, 20 years. Took it right out of storage, connected it, boom. Like money. Sony. Can't go wrong with Sony. Nope. Uh, anybody got anything new for the collection this week? Yeah, I got something kind of cool. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're actually going to love this, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. It's actually kind of a late week for me, but... Uh... A little disappointed in that, but Aww. this makes up for it. This this is really awesome, and I, I've been I've been thinking about this for a while, and uh, I don't know. I guess the time was just right. I found a good deal on it, but the, the major nostalgia pangs. I don't know. Maybe it's my midlife crisis or something. I'm pushing. I'm turning forty this year, so next year. Yeah, uh, oh, next year. Whatever. It's in January 9th. Same shit. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> I pulled the trigger. Uh, you're gonna love this, Kyle. I got the the complete set, 162 cards from the 1990 Marvel trading cards. Oh my god! Remember those? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The one with the, with the little ribbon with uh, with their name on the little e- ribbon shape thing. Exactly. Yeah, that was the 1991. And that on was the series back, one, wasn't had, it? Yeah, series one. So basically, on the back, you have like a little snippet of like either their origin story or something like that, but it would also give you the stats, seven different stats. It was like stamina, Strength, agility, power, and str- like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Intelligence. So cool. And it, so anyway, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, it would, didn't it also give you battles, one battles lost, like win percentage? Possibly. Or is that series? Two? That could have been maybe series two. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. I just, I've been thinking about it a while and there's something about them, you know, every time I look at them, I'm like, ah, oh, man, I it just really hits home, you know? So it'd be nice to get back to those. That's my original canon, right? When you look back at uh, like my comic book upbringing, when I look at those cards, the, the amount of information that I got from them kind of was like the, really the basis and foundation of what I kind of built in the Marvel universe anyhow, you know? Oh, they're, they're, they're very I mean, informative. They are. They really are. Like you can get a good cross section of a character's history just by reading the back of that card period like they're really handy in that way uh carlos anything for you i uh picked up a uh an imperial atst uh lego uh somebody was selling it that was missing the minifigures and um and uh i think it was one or two like uh, little uh, side plates and uh, they were selling it for 20 and I said, uh, no, nah, I'll give you 10 And she's like, nope. I'm like, all right, cool. So two days later, uh, do you still want it? <laughs> nice. Five. So, uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I paid 15 But um, 
Yeah, it was pretty. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, I had the I, I had the minifigures for it, but I, I had I don't know where the ATST went. So, uh, yeah, I'm able to to get that back. But I think I might take it apart and um, try to use the uh, the Technic pieces to make a stand for one of my other ships. Cool. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm having fun with making stands and stuff. Cannibalize that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. I have the base. I have the uh, the base Malbus minifigure, and I think I don't remember who else was was in that set. Couldn't not more off. I think was one, but I don't I don't know where that one is. Anyways, um, just to say that uh, I put an offer in on um, a lot of five different sets, including two TIE fighters that I already own and Kylo Ren shuttle. Uh, but the, uh, the guy was, uh, being a bit of a hard ass. So, uh, I walked away. Such a price walk away when it doesn't, if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Like I, I, boys, I almost stepped in it this week. Oh boy. Oh boy. Like I was right at the doorstep, um, of buying, uh, the, the sideshow collectibles Rex that was unveiled Ooh. last week. It's unbelievably gorgeous. I was right there, man. And like, and I mean, I was right there. I, I bailed at the confirmed purchase stage. I just couldn't swing it, but like, I know I'm going to regret this in a huge way down the line, especially when they inevitably release like an Ahsoka to go with it. And the worst part is, and anybody who's a collector who worries about like spending and then hiding that from your significant other, like I had my wife's endorsement. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that can be the biggest hurdle to cross. Like if you can't get buy-in from your significant other, you're screwed, but it only ships next year. So I, I was like, Hey, Candace, like, look at this cool Rex. And she's like, Oh man, that's like owning Tamara Morrison, like a foot tall Tamara Morrison. I'm like, do you think I should get it? She's like, well, how much is it? Uh, yeah. So I, I go over the numbers, numbers and she's like, ooh, wow, that's yikes. And I'm like, but I can pay in installments. They, they, like, they do offer uh, a payment plan. And she's like, oh, okay, well, that's that's cool then. So I went right down the chute, filled out the form, put in my credit card info, and was had my my finger over the, I'm doing it on my, on my phone, purchase, confirm. I was going to like, I, I was right there. And then on the, there's a sidebar that just shows you like the schedule of payments. And after you do the exchange and the shipping, it was going to be like four payments of like a, over a hundred bucks each. I was just like, no, I can't, I can't do it. Um, so I, I you know, that's on the, crazy. It is. It, they're so expensive. I mean, they're worth it. I mean, really, they're they're the highest end collectibles in my mind. But I, I think I, I saved myself from a a deep dark rabbit hole because I know I wouldn't stop there. Like I I know that I would. Oh, geez. Well, I got to get the Ahsoka. I got to pair Rex and Ahsoka together. Oh, but geez, that Cody looks really nice too. And it, it you know, then you're off and it's over. And I know if, if I'd have to stop at no more than two per year, but I know myself too well to know that I would not stick to that. So I just have to purge, purge the whole thing, put it out of my mind. If I can ever find somebody selling them for cheap, which they don't tend to do, like these things hold their value quite well over time. Um, nah, it's, it, it, I can't do it. Like I, I, 
I would almost like consider trading my whole collection. And of course, nobody will do this, but I would almost trade everything I have for like five or six or seven of them and just clean everything up and then just class it up with these not nice sideshow collectibles, hot toys type things and call it a day. But uh, off the table for now. And I, I should have something more concrete to share next week during a collecting update. So that'll be nice. Um, a little bit of collecting news. So via Yakface, um, an update coming for Rebels Black Series figures, and they're they're all being re-released. There was talk about that happening, but that is actually happening. Uh, which and it'll the line will include Zeb as a deluxe figure. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So so for those that's gonna be hard score, to find. Yeah, that'll probably be an EB Games exclusive up here north of the border. Uh, so Yakface had uh, screen grabs of somebody inputting this in GameStop. In, down in the U.S., um, GameSpot, GameStop. I can never get it right. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, all of that stuff's in their system. Um, there's some other cool stuff in the vintage collection coming: like K2SO, Hondo, uh, Chirrut Fives, uh, the Power Droid, which I have on pre-order from EB Games. Anakin in his clone armor. Anakin, uh, Obi Wan in clone armor. A Darth Maul, a Wicket. These are all kind of must buys for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty solid wave. That's yeah, that's that's a really good wave. Um, so yeah, twenty twenty. Uh, let's just give it up for again for the rebels crew. Well, no? yeah, I was going to come back to you on this one. Like Hera, Kanan, Sabine, Ezra, Chopper, and Ahsoka all coming back to the pegs later this year, and Amazing. which which will help drive down the stupid, stupid secondary price, uh, market pricing for some of these figures. See, I don't understand that. Like in a way, like uh, who was it? There's certain figures that have been re-released, like Anakin, for example, in the archives line. But you still see original Anakin from the 2015 line still going for like a hundred bucks, right? Well, I think this is just going to be, as far as I can tell, is just it's going to be the same figure, like basically the same figures released in the same packaging. I'm under. Not, I thought these it was these the aren't, archive. No, these aren't archive. More on the archi- archive in a second, but I don't believe these are going to be archive. Especially the Zeb. Anyway, so that's coming later this year. Um, I got. I think I have most of these. I think the only ones I'm missing are Chopper and Chopper and Ezra and Zeb, of course. So I may yeah, look into. I got them all, including Zeb. <laughs> you you got the prototype Zeb. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, then lastly here with the collecting the second round of voting is open for the next figure in the Black Series archive line at Hasbro, Hasbro Pulse so if, if you have an account at Hasbro Pulse you can head over there and you can vote once per day until May 29th and the winner will get a 2021 release of uh, a figure in the archive line so the final 10 uh, is Django Fett, Slave Leia uh, 501st Trooper uh, Revenge of the Sith Kenobi, Greedo, Jyn Erso, Leia in her Bounty Hunter disguise, Qui-Gon, and Ahsoka. So I've, I've already cast my vote. I that Jyn Erso one is so weird to me. Like, unfortunately, she was a mega peg warmer. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if this archive figure will get sort of like the, the photo reel update. So it's, it's a better likeness of... Uh, Felicity Jones? I would think so. I heard some chatter 
in one of the groups I'm a part of that, you know, I, I think it's going to boil down to uh, Cody and Qui-Gon. And I guess one of the reasons to vote for Qui-Gon is in hopes that they really redo the head. Like the face is quite horrible on the first one. Really? It's not great. Yeah. And that just came out like last year. That, sh- that should be a good sculpt. No, it's not very good. <laughs> That's a shame. Uh, I went with Cody. I mean, <laughs> clones always uh, look Qui-Gon, great. Qui-Gon's been out older than that, though. Because I remember I almost bought him at a Comic-Con. Yeah. Still, like it should be a better, that should be a better thing. Um, I saw some people kind of saying, oh, we got we, we need the updated uh, Hut Slayer Leia. Like we need to get that in, in the, uh, with the photo reel update for, for the head sculpt. I don't know if that's going to win. I doubt it. It's, it seems to me right now that Cody is, is leading the way. Yeah. And you're right. I'm telling you, man, people are paying just prior to this, people were paying insane prices for, for Cody, just ridiculous prices for him. Oh yeah. He's he's like, he's like like 200 bucks now. At least stupid. I saw a guy pay 187 us idiot. Absolute idiot. Like, what are you doing? Gotta power power to you if you have that kind of money to throw at a black series figure that just came out but he's going to be really pissed if cody wins that contest and there's an archive line cody next year like that's that's a crazy price especially if he's a box opener oh god yeah oh anyway uh cool let's check it out hasbropulse.com you can go check that out you need an account though so if, if you don't already and you don't really care then uh don't do it so, okay, we talked about, uh, very quickly, Disney Gallery Episode 3. You guys want to all to watch it this weekend? Yes, sir. Like I said, I love this show almost as much as The Mandalorian itself. I love this, man. What, Corey, what was your takeaway this week? Let's see. Take okay, it, well, Corey take thinks it, about it. Take it. Yeah, too long. Gina Carlos. Carano loves Carl Weathers. <laughs> yeah, it's for me, it was the Gina Carano thing. Just uh, seeing how... Um, the directors and the the other actors uh, talked about her and uh, what she brought to the table. Like uh, like I, I said from the beginning, like yeah, them hiring her was kind of like, you know, okay, we need somebody who's physical and uh, who could play like this this rough and tumble uh, role. But what she brought to the actual dialogue and the character building and She's more than a one-dimensional. I'm not gonna say she's a great actress, but she plays the role really, really well, and they all appreciate her. And to see the reciprocation between her and the other actors, uh, like uh, Corey just mentioned, uh, her the, the 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 lovely things that she said about Chubbs, it was like <laughs> I, I I was a little uh, you know a little uh, foggy-eyed. Uh, during she that, kind that of said part. herself that she acting's not her uh, first profession, you know, and these guys kind of really helped instill a little more confidence in her, be like a room stealer. And uh, me too, like I was on the same page as you, Carlos, in the sense that she was kind of there because of her physicality. But once you see her on screen, uh, on the screen, like not only is she like very attractive and like has this aura about her, but like she's she does have some acting chops, you know those. Those winks and those smiles, you know, they, they it doesn't seem forced. It seems like it works 
Yep. Yeah, she was great. Like, and her her kind of gushing over Carl Weathers was kind of like how I felt in the episode too. Like, I'll get to Carl Weathers in a second, but I think what sh- what's shining through for me with with uh, regards to Gina Carano is like I think when she was cast, she, I think she was she felt out of her depth, where she's like, oh god, like yeah. I'm just not here to like stay quiet and punch things. Like I need to act, and yeah, I think she, she felt nervous about being able to pull it off in a franchise like this. I think she was intimidated by the fandom, by the people she's working with. There's some heavy hitters there. And to see her finding her groove, like it's, it's gotta be uh, challenging to say the least to have to go through this in such a a high profile project. And she's just kind of living it out for us all to kind of watch and see her grow as an actress and like she's carving out this great career for herself just by being herself, being really authentic about uh, who she is and what her strengths are. And speaking of which, like to see her kind of uh, when she was, they were talking about the scene where she has to go and like pick up the Mando when he's injured and carry him off. And she, like she, they, they didn't need a body double for that. They didn't need someone, some strong person to come do that. She just goes and yeah, does she, that. Yeah. She manhandles him or woman handles him. And like the, through all the takes that the multiple, multiple takes that they did. And she's like, no, nah, I'll do it. And she just like goes over and just picks up this dead weight human and just hauls him off set. And she's just that, that tough and that strong. And something that Favreau said about that was just like, you know, some people have to act tough and some people know they're tough and don't have to do anything. Like that's the swagger that she has. Like she knows she's got it. And it just, it it just oozes out of her. Like, you know that that's not somebody to mess with. And like, she, she could mop the floor with all of those people at that table. You know, like she's, she's that tough. Um, so I, she was, she was such a standout, but for me, like the biggest takeaway in the episode was Carl Weathers. Like I think back to like my limited experiences with, with Carl Weathers. And he was just like this machine gun toting action hero in the eighties. Like, he had the, uh, that quick stop as as Chubbs, which I'll never forget. But he was, <laughs> but he was always a bit of a caricature. Yep. But like this episode, he was I I was really taken aback with like his warmth and his depth as a as a human, at least seemingly. You know, he, he was saying all, a, a lot of stuff that I really really loved. And there's obviously a ton going on with this guy, and I'm I'm like embarrassed that the impression I carried of Carl Weathers all this time in my life was that he was just this meathead who showed up in this like showed up in movies as a muscle bound goofball and and just like acting tough you know like i was like wow this guy is this this is a great guy and then to to learn that he's directing an episode of the mandalorian season two now it makes perfect sense like this is a really insightful guy um anything else carlos anything jump out to you beside from those two things um Not offhand, I would say mainly like uh, everybody. Like you think when you think of John Favreau, you think of his roles um, in other movies. He kind of plays like some badasses, and you get a little bit more like uh, who the happy uh, character is in in um, Far From Home. Yeah, and he he plays. A, he's a little bit of a geek. And uh, just seeing him geek out with 
the actors and and with uh with Filoni. Well, it's funny you, you it, mentioned that fun. too carlos like he, he mentioned in the episode that uh you know like gina carano is the kind of character that he would want to play in a movie like not necessarily the the lead in the film but kind of like that secondary background character that kind of gets to be super cool you know like or badass or whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh, yeah there, i mean one of the great things that this cast they all love each other very much and we haven't even spoken about pedro pascal and he's such a cool dude too like the stories he's got about, <laughs> about all the dangers that he's gone through in, in his career you know, and then he walks into a piece of plywood and busts his nose open. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that was... I mean, just to sit there and listen to these guys tell stories, it would be hilarious. It'd be amazing to sit there and listen. But um, like the, the last thing that jumped out to me was something I'd been, I'd been wondering about in the back of my head for, for quite a while. And it was like, I was wondering how, how, much, how open about this would they be? And that was the, the, the fact that there's two other guys in the suit, in the Mando suit as body doubles doing different things. Yeah, and obviously we we do associate Pedro Pascal with the character, but we've known for a while that he's not actually in the suit nearly as much as we think. And there's uh, John yeah. Wayne's grandson, whose name escapes him, but he's one of the body doubles. And they had this other, uh, like martial artist type guy to do those fighting scenes. Yeah, well, and I John did... Wayne's grandson's a gunslinger, and they really showed what like I guess his work as they talked about it, you know? And I remember seeing that while watching the series and being like, damn, like Pedro Pascal's got it going on. He really mastered that gun work. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's probably not him. <laughs> it, wasn't. it wasn't. Obviously yeah. not. You know? Uh, they had the one gun expert and the jujitsu guy. Like they had two different, yeah, uh, yeah pretty cool. And I, I always wondered how open they were going to be about that. You know, and and... Those other guys, they deserve their moment in the spotlight uh, for what they bring to the character. So I, I'm glad that they highlighted that because they, they, you know, they make they round out that character in a big bad way. So uh, good on them. Uh, okay, uh, fellas, it's time for some news. Even if it's not quite my favorite type of news, there's there's a lot of casting rumors to discuss. Um, but I I I feel like this these particular items have been reported on and rumored and taken for granted already uh so we'll see what we can make of this we'll try and keep this as quick and hopefully entertaining anyway but uh to kick it off this week slash film added um more weight to the rumor that bo katan will be joining the mandalorian season two and um yeah they, they doubled down on that rumor that was already out there um but they they did outline some of the big questions that bo katan might be doing or bringing to the fore in the series. like So specifically, how did Bo-Katan lose the Darksaber? How did Moff Gideon get possession of it? So you know, as, as they bring those potential plot points up, uh, Corey, do you think these things will be addressed in Season 2? And also, just generally, are you more on board with this Bo-Katan rumor now? Well, yeah, I mean, from last week... Bokatan and Katie Sakov again were both on my wish list for the Mando season two. Like I personally think it makes a lot of sense. Again, you know, Mandalore, Mandalorians. I mean, granted, this series does seem to be taking on its own vibe, but this is where I kind of question like I don't want to see these characters in any sense just coming back because hey, we have them 
and the age works like that's what's really coincidental about a lot of these castings too it's like hey we're playing in this time box and 10 years later from the first time you played the character or whatever the timeline it's uh maybe closer what to 20 or 30 nah, yeah probably like 20 20 years later and the characters still fit into place but again just like can the show kind of branch and splinter off? You know what I mean? We have the main story with Mandalorian and Boba Fett. We can introduce new characters. Are we going to have this, maybe another overarching storyline that, that kind of splinters off from the main one about Mandalore and what's going on there? It's entirely possible. I'm very curious to know about the purge and all that stuff. Like we know Mandalorians are really few and far between now. Uh, they're a rarity. So I'd like to get a little more information on that and just having her come back to help explain it all makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I've always wondered if, if those things, Moff Gideon getting the saber, Bo-Katan losing it, like we've already done the flashback thing in season one. So I wonder if, um, you know, I guess to back up. So when you look at the, the how many people are rumored to be a part of this season two, it could be really crowded. Like in the in the current present timeline, and one way to tidy that up is to give some space by doing flashbacks and dealing with Bo-Katan that way. So maybe we do see flashbacks of Bo-Katan uh, and that Night of a Thousand Tears and the Purge in a flashback. So she's maybe and maybe she's dealt with, you know, gulp uh, in, in that way, and we see Moff Gideon defeat these Mandos and he takes the saber from her. You know, I prefer to see Bo-Katan alive in the current timeline, but uh, what do you think, Carlos? Well, I'm down. Like, uh, as soon as I saw her picture, I didn't even see the headline. I'm like, ooh, that could be interesting. And then bam, and it's like, yes, okay, nailed it. You know any of her work? No, no, no. I, I, no? I don't, I, well, maybe, uh, like. Uh, she, voices, the, she voices Bo-Katan in Clone Wars already, but she does a few I, I just watched one with her. Uh, what was it called? I don't know. Her face the is space familiar. thing. Battlestar like, Galactica. She's in. She's in that. But no, uh, this one came out. It's a Netflix original. Uh, another. Uh, I can't remember. Is anyway. it the one where they're living on the space station in yeah. orbit in the future? Well, yeah. Okay. I saw. Well, that. not in orbit. They're they're traveling in a spaceship, whatever. But they're kind of very far from Earth. Anyways, all that to say that um, I don't know of her work, but just the look fits for me completely. And it's like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And um, as long as she's not the armorer, I'm happy. I can see her being the armorer. But you know who I always well, feel I mean, like behind the mask? The, the armorer armor. has the British accent and Bo-Katan doesn't. That's right. Like We know, but in my head canon at the moment, you know who's behind that mask? Kate Blanchett. That's pretty <laughs> it cool. It just sounds like her for some reason. Galadriel or something. Yeah. I mean, Emily Swallow is, is the actor behind the mask. So I, I see no reason not just to use her. I saw some really cool speculation that maybe Rook cast who we saw uh, in that Siege of Mandalore arc. She was sort of like the, the right hand to uh, Commander Saxon. And that could be that, you know, that could be her too. 
we'll see. Anyway, um, yeah. All right. So let's let's zip ahead. Bo-Katan seems to be in. Uh, you know, she teased that. Her, Katie Sackhoff teased that herself way back when, just saying, "Oh, I did something really cool today. Can't wait for you guys to see it." And yeah, we yeah we see you, Katie. We know you're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, but at the same time, I was thinking about that as well, and that could have clearly meant Clone Wars as well. Could have for sure. Um, absolutely could have been just that. I feel like that Clone Wars thing was probably done a while ago. Not necessarily. I mean, voice work, I mean, doesn't take that long, to be honest. No, but they could have had, I mean, look look at the way they did uh, Resistance. Like that stuff was all in the can way before it came out. Like the animation is always like whatever comes next in animation is already well underway. You know, by the time I hope by, so. by the time it comes out, it's you know it's it's already been a couple of years in production. Anyway, moving ahead, um, the next rumor, next rumored casting deals with Bail Organa and General Draven. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it feels you know, again. We're in a bit of a merry-go-round here with these rumors for the Disney Plus shows. But uh, as as skeptical as I usually am, and I try to follow every rumor back to its original source before we're talking about it on the podcast, I I feel like most of the rumors that are coming out these days are pretty reliable, pretty bankable, if they're coming from the right places. And this one comes from uh, Bespin Bulletin on Instagram, and Bespin Bulletin is one of those places that you if you hear it there you can pretty much bank on it. So uh, this past week, Bespin Bulletin reported that Jimmy Smith and Alistair Petrie would be back as Bail Organa and General Draven, respectively. And this is, Carlos, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, right? No. And, uh, well, is it to the surprise of anyone? Uh, Look, we could tell in Rogue One that uh, Cassian Andor... Uh, has has a a sorted and a special relationship with Draven. Like you could tell that there's a lot of like um, like a close, lot of not nonverbal communication, like head and, nods and blinks. yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's like uh, they, they've Kill they've, talk, they've gotcha. talked about things outside of the big circle thingy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like they, they've uh, they've had beers post uh, after their shift. Yeah, there's a lot of off the record conversations between those two. Absolutely, that supersede and the actual official order. Exactly, exactly. So it's like um, no, no, it's really cool. And um, yeah, obviously, I was ecstatic when I. Uh, the thing is that we could build these things up in our own mind. Oh, this person would be amazing in this role, and there's a blah 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 blah. But until you start getting like news, you don't know how happy it would make you. And just getting that that news was like, oh, yeah, it was that was great news. So you just watched Rogue One. Do you mm-hmm. think like I, I have to go back and watch it? And I'm I guess I guess if you know we watch the prequels, we watch Solo. I guess Rogue One's next. Um. I'll, I'll be I'll I'll be paying attention to this, but do you think that Cassian likes Draven, or is he kind of just like a, a grudging respect for a superior officer, or do you think that uh, he just out, flat out just doesn't like him very much? Ooh, I don't know. I think 
Um, it's tough to say, right? Because yeah, he gets the he gets the order to kill Galen Urso, and you get that feeling that yeah, you, you he's like through. I've I've done this for you so many times. Like, yeah, there's like the ah oh, Jesus, really? Yeah, exactly. There's like a reticence, right? If you lied. <laughs> yeah. No, I. Corey. It's been a while since I watched Rogue One and going back to 2019. So I, I'm excited to watch it again and just to watch for that. Like, just what's what is their relationship like? Because if it's even set, if it's set up as adversarial at all, that could be interesting. You know, another way I see it kind of going down with these two, I see, uh, you know, Bill Organa kind of, kind of being like the angel and Draven being like the devil on his shoulder. I could see like the ethical, uh, like, something ethical being called into question, you know, and them being at the center of this argument maybe of, you know, we can't do this to Cassian in a way. Like, he can't do this. It's not ethical. And Draven's like, to hell with you, you know, like, this is a war. Like, war takes sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. Well, in a, you know, in a similar way where the Emperor made Darth Vader do all these things, like, all the dirty work for him. You could, like, you could, on a smaller scale, obviously, get a similar dynamic where Draven made Cassian do all this dirty work for him. And Absolutely. I could see it. That could be really interesting. Well, definitely. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to build a character, but like you, Kyle, like you both said, or I think it was you, Carlos, you had mentioned that they kind of belay that in Rogue One in the sense that, you know, like he's not, he's kind of blinded as well. You know, he's not the smartest or he's, he's a smart guy, but he's, he's about the war. He's all about the war and he's not really playing things from all angles or, you know what I mean? Like he's very cutthroat and straight to it. And I could see him in Cassian. I can see them having words (laughs) at a point, you know, like Cassian being like, Hey, it's me out here. Not you like, Hey, shut up soldier. Like do your job. I could see it like that in a way too. Well, they got the right the right writers. You know, another thing that I pulled out from that report that I didn't know before is that they have a writer from House of Cards and the Ides of March, and that's got me really excited. Not that I've seen Ides of March at all. I, I've heard about it, but I, I did watch like three seasons of House of Cards, and the writing stands out on that show. And if this is described as a spy thriller show, then. I, it, it, having the writing be a little bit more sophisticated and polished than usual Star Wars fare, I think it's called for here in this show. And I, I know yeah, I've, big I've time. yeah, I've always maintained that Star Wars should be like family friendly type of entertainment without being dumb or feel like you're being spoken down to. Um, but if you're going to stretch the boundary of Star Wars, I'm mostly okay with it being in the writing department for this type of show. Yeah, it's true. Sp- spy thriller. Yeah, give us something a little different there, but bring the quality. But again, I really like that, coincidentally enough, again, that just Bail Organa or Jimmy Smith is able to play that role. And this doesn't seem like something that would be squeezed in, you know, like shoehorned in. It seems, it seems natural for him to kind of have a part in this series. Yeah, I mean, just from the standpoint of, of propping up the early rebellion and and. God, maybe we'll finally get to see Alderaan in this show. Wouldn't that be something? Finally, after 43 years, 44 years maybe, we'll finally get to see Alderaan on screen. 
I think it would be cool, man. Like it, it would, uh, you know how we always keep saying like, uh, we saw Alderaan blow up and couldn't give a shit. Yeah. Like this will probably be able to like, maybe rectify that and maybe us feeling a little, uh, maybe not better, but like, you know, more, more uh, invested in, uh, in Alderaan's fate. Absolutely. We get that tiny little, quick little shot or scene at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It's not much. Uh, we spend a lot of uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. The book on Alderaan, that's still not quite enough. Like, I think we need to see it. As a, as a mainstream fandom, we need to see it and connect to it. Like, Rogue One makes uh, Episode 4 a little bit better, right? Like, oh, yeah. uh, the, the connecting. So maybe this series is going to add more depth to what is very not a deep film at all uh, when you think of A New Hope. It's a very George Lucas film. <laughs> a New Hope is very, very George Lucas in the way it's just frantic paced. Go, 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 go. Um, but you know what? I guess what I'm scared of with all these people coming back to do this show, it's five years after they shot Rogue One and they're having to shoot a show that takes place five years before Rogue One. You know, and you know, they, I guess they can always do away with the effect just to save money, but de-aging tech is either going to have to be a lot easier to use or get a lot cheaper or both. Or like, I know personally I'm going to have a real tough time swallowing the appearance of some of these characters. Like I don't buy Cassian Andor in Rogue One as a 26 year old, but I definitely don't buy Felicity Jones as a 21 year old. And like Diego Luna will be 41 at the end of this year. And he's going to be asked to play a 21 year old Cassian. And he doesn't, he doesn't look like a man in his early forties, but I don't care who you are. Like you need help. You know what I mean? Like, and everybody's being put in that position in this show. I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to pull that off. Does that enter your thought at all? No, I think what what they can do for for Diego Luna is clean shaven. Like him clean shaven is going to make a huge difference uh, than the scruffy beard. It'll take a few years off, I think. And, and maybe he's... some prep peach under the eyes. <laughs> and he's talked about like having to go on a diet, and he's you know he'll. He's not a big guy to begin with. A lot of these guys are rail thin to begin with, but he's going to drop more weight. You know, he's, he's, he's oh man, I am a, I, I, I am a little bit concerned, and they're going to have to either go heavy on the makeup, or I don't know, maybe maybe that de aging technology is is going to be a little bit more uh, cost effective, cheaper to use at some point. Oh, I think I think it's already there. I think they um, they took huge strides with it uh, in Rogue One and uh, again in um, in the Rise of Skywalker. What they did with Luke and uh, frankly, what they did with, with Leia, just superimposing Carrie's face on 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 uh, Billy Lord. Yeah, I, they, I I think that they can do anything and. Um, ILM, they they know what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. I have no I have no doubt that they can accomplish the look. 
you know, and I imagine that the budget would be there to do it. It's just, mm-hmm. a, it's just a little bit concerning because now, you know, like everybody, we're talking about like a, a ten year swing now. You know, Jimmy Smith is is five years older and having to play, you know, five years younger than we last saw him. There's a, the door is swinging both ways in the wrong direction, on both ends. Um, we'll I can see, see that. Yeah, I, 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 I could. That's a valid, I think, um, concern. Um, but uh, I, I, I saw what they did with Captain Marvel and 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 um, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, was... the guy's eighty. <sighs> like, come on. <laughs> the effect is flawless. Yeah, it's it was really well done. So I'm not uh, obviously I'm still worried, but uh, not not as much as I could be. Yeah, you you know, even in a television show, they're gonna they're gonna go ahead and do that. You know, the de aging technology. Yeah, they, yeah, for sure. They have to. Yeah. They're gonna have to. Anyway, um, good news all around for for the Cassian Andor show. Now they just need to get to it. They they've done a bunch of uh, of the pre production stuff. Uh, now they just we just need them to get into the studio and start shooting this thing. I think I think July is when they're aiming if they can get this pandemic under control. All right. Uh, lastly, just to round out another huge rumored casting section for the week. This one's just nuts. This one came in late Friday. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter striking again. This time with the report that Timothy Oliphant is a part of the cast of Mando season two, and this is thrilling casting to me. And yeah, they, you know that's what I was gonna say too. Like the the casting they on this show, we're just like, oh, Goo Goo Gaga, they're so good at casting. Like everything makes so much sense. I'd love for one time to be like, you know what? I'm kind of uncomfortable with this. I don't know. Actually, Mando kind of gave us that with like Carl Weathers and uh, Nick Nolte and whatnot. But at the same time, I don't know. I just feel like they, they're so spot on with their casting, man. And this is just one that you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, man. Yes. And what's cool about this particular casting is that it doesn't come from the nostalgia factory. You know, if, again, if it's if it's a if the rumor is true, but like he's one of those. I, I don't want to say he's under the radar because I think a lot of people know his face if they don't know the name. Yeah, he's not a leading man, but he could be. And in my head, I think he's magnetic enough as a as a as an actor that he can be a leading man. So, uh, so tell me who he is. Like, what's he, what's he played in? He was he was the drug dealer in Go. I don't know if you ever seen Go. And he was also kind of like the bad guy in The Girl Next Door. The Girl Next Door. Oh, with uh, Elijah Cuthbert. Yeah, she was in that. Um, he's he's he, also he's pretty much the lead in Deadwood on HBO. Uh, Justif- well, I Justified. That. He's in, hmm. he's the lead in Justified. But he's also Deadwood. Is he in Deadwood too? Yeah, man, big time. Huh. That's that's, that's another big knock for this series as well. You, you this guy knows his way around a western, man. Yeah, like he's he's in like a dirty shirt with with the vibe. Um, he was also the villain. In the fourth Die Hard movie, mm-hmm. and he was, he was yeah, he's very slick, very cool. He's a very cool cat, man. Well, he's he, he can do anything. Like he he he's in that movie Go, where he's like that jackass, not a punk, but just just you know, 
your typical he kind of plays the same ca- character in the Wait. girl next door well, he's got he's got that smugness right he's got that he's got that grin exactly. on his face a very smug grin um but he can do anything he's he's in santa clarita diet which i i don't watch but true yeah i've heard good things about that and he was the lead in that actually with drew barrymore but i mean you see his face and you know you i've seen this guy before but based on his body of work it's in this show in the mandalorian it's it's hard to see him being the boy scout type he always seems to either be a a morally ambiguous or just a straight up a-hole he's dash rendar could be yeah you never know but yeah, I am so on the same page. They didn't hire him to be the Boy Scout. They definitely hired him for his smugness and his confidence. Well, I, I hope whatever it is, like I hope it's done with the future in mind. Like I hope it's not one of those things where he shows up for an episode and dies, and it's like, oh, what a waste of Timothy Oliphant. Like this guy. You're here first, Timothy Timothy Oliphant spinoff series. Well, yeah, I, I don't I, even know the character's name yet. He he can carry a Disney Plus show. I have no doubt of that. Like he, he's a good enough actor and I think a big enough name that he can carry uh, a, a Disney plus show. And, that, and I guess that would mean that with whatever character he plays would be important enough to actually get his own show, which I doubt. He's playing Boba Fett. <laughs> nah. I could see him doing the voice of like a Cad Bane. But then just why not get the voice actor for that? Because you don't need Timothy Oliphant to be Cad Bane. Um, you could. I mean, they definitely need a mocap guy for that. And he's tall. Right. But just get a mocap guy and then just get the voice actor from the show. You know what I mean? Do both. So look at Alan Tudyk. I guess. But he but there was no K2SO before Alan Tudyk. Uh, Jar Jar. Ahmed Best. Right, but he is the origin of that character. Like, Cad Bane already has someone doing that voice. So just. True. That's so iconic, too. So, anyway, I I, I hope that whatever it is for Timothy Oliphant, that it's for an ongoing thing and not just a cameo or a quick in and out with this guy. I I hope he sticks around. Anyway, uh, guys, there's been so much casting news lately that. I can't be bothered to tally it all up, but uh, I just want to say I I take it all with a grain of salt as well. Like I'm not I'm at that limit with Star Wars. We've been doing this for close to five years now and it's like or I think it is five years now. And, you know, I just I simmer. I'm simmering. I'm waiting to pop, but I'm not going to be too let down if none of these things don't come to fruition. Yeah, it is what it is. Like, you know, when we speculate, I love speculating. I love it. But I'm. I also know that if it doesn't happen, cool. That's fine. I don't care. Like, especially after episode eight, when I had my own little head cannons of what I wanted, what I thought I wanted to see, and then none of it happened. I was like, oh yeah, I'm a shitty writer. Like, I there's a reason why I will sit back and let the storytellers tell me the story. Cause my story sucks. Um, yeah, so hey, you guys, since everybody's getting a, a, a role on a Disney Plus show, who's going to get cast next week? You may, like, we may as well take a guess because you're probably going to be right. Like, Corey, who's who's going to be in uh, – who are we talking about next week? Oh, God. It's a deep cut. I don't... Ooh. 
I'm kind of joking. I don't know. You don't, you don't have pass. to answer that. I want to. I want to come up with something good. You know what I mean? I put you. I put you on the spot. But I'm just yeah. saying. Like it seems like everybody's getting a spot. So just you know, if you throw a name at a dartboard, you're probably going to be right. But uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. I. I, I can't wait to see what what uh, comes out here. What actually pans out to be true. But you got to figure. Like if all this stuff is, if all this, all these rumors are true, man. Oh man. Like Disney's got to be and Lucasfilm have to be so if unless they're the ones leaking it because celebration's not going to happen. Like this is all their thunder being taken away. You know what I mean? Like it's it's gonna suck <laughs> royally uh, for them to like show up at at whether they they do a virtual celebration or if by some miracle it actually happens and they're like, let's bring all these people up for our shows and we're like, yeah, we know, we know. Like with, with, with Alec, um, Ewan McGregor with Kenobi. We know. Okay, like just get this painful exercise done with. We already know all this stuff. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see how it, how it comes out. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited by all, all these rumors. And I have to say right now, I'm kind of believing them. After my heart attack, cash from active care meant I had choices. When I had cancer... Cash from Active Care meant I didn't need to stress so much about money. What is Active Care? Active Care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from $10,000 to $60,000. If you're diagnosed with cancer, a heart attack, or stroke, you could end up paying thousands of dollars or more in out of pocket medical bills. Active Care gives you protection at an affordable price. So, get Active Care for cash, choice, and control. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com. All right, guys, it is, it's birthday time. It's We're at the part of the calendar where it, a lot of Star Wars movies have birthdays. So Phantom Menace, which turned 20 last year, hit a milestone last year, is now legal everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's incredible. Phantom Menace was, you know, able to drink in Quebec years ago, um, but it's now is turning 21. Attack of the Clones is now an adult in Quebec where we encourage you to drink as soon as humanly possible um uh, isn't it weird you know, you know of, of course we're 18 of course quebec is 18 we're it's so sad like that we we talk about star wars marking these milestones in our lives you know looking to the future of these films and saying oh the next film's in three years and then you mark the count the date on the calendar and you cross the days off but when you look at it in this perception perspective god damn we're getting old men Rapidly. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, in, in another I was case, 18 when, uh, when The Phantom Menace came out. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this is another case of time flying. Like It doesn't seem like three years ago where we were celebrating A New Hope's 40th. Like, it still feels like that still feels fresh to me. But here we are. This week we're celebrating Empire Strikes Back as it turns 40. And so... Uh, we got some time to kill, and 
For me, this is my favorite movie of all time. I think we need to sit back and uh, celebrate this masterpiece, this game-changing, timeless masterpiece. Um, so among the saga films, guys, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I speak for all three of us when I say that it's our favorite of the saga movies. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Um, yes, uh, Saga. <laughs> yes, Saga movies. Yeah, but the the, the list is always moving, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's always up and down. Yeah, who knows but, uh, what's going to happen from in the future? But this point in my life, it's pretty much reigned at the top for a multitude of reasons. I'm, we'll we'll get into that. Um. Corey, when did you realize that Empire was your favorite? Oof, that's tough to say, man. I would have to say it's in my teenage years, most likely. Like, I was pretty much... I was a Return of the Jedi guy. And, uh, I don't know, just my teenage years kind of solidified it. Like, I'm a big I'm a big fan of, like, writing and stuff like that, and movies and story, myth. So... I don't know. As I got older, I just kind of felt like that was the movie I was most connected to. And I don't know. It's just a deep, dark watch. So I don't know. There, there's something about that film that it's it's even hard to describe. Even if you th- sit there and think about it, there, there's so many reasons why this film is so incredible. And it's just really hard to to get out there sometimes. But it's, it's a magical film. It's well, lightning in a bottle. You're going to have to put some words to it, Corey, because we're on a podcast and that's all you got. Oh, I got some stuff here for you. But <laughs> either way, it, what it really is, is just lightning in a bottle. Like what George was able to do with that film was absolutely incredible. How about you, Carlos? Like, again, a- acknowledging that the, the rankings, as flimsy as they can be, like when did you realize that Empire was, yeah, you're like, this is this one's got to be right at the top if it's not. You know, if it's not at the top, it's right there. When when did that become a realization for you? Um, I think ninety nine. Uh, after I saw Phantom Menace, uh, it it kind of made me readjust how I thought about Luke Skywalker and how I thought about Yoda. And um, seeing, I, I I don't know. It just uh, it kind of catapulted it ahead of uh, like uh, like Corey I think uh, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie for a long time or my favorite Star Wars movie for a long time uh, but after um, The Phantom Menace came out I think that's when Empire like the subtleties of Empire the writing the, the dialogue I just I appreciated it a lot more after seeing the disaster that was episode one Come on, man. Well, come on. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, nobody, nobody won an Oscar for writing on that movie. Come on. Well, and, uh, uh, I, I get you. Speaking contextually, like a lot of people watching in 1999 were like, whoa. And, and you know, the. The, the, Trust me, I was one of the men. Like I was like, oh, I know. We know what you're going to say about the Nimodians. We know what you're going to say, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that you know, there, there was a broad consensus among. I guess adult fan, teenage adult fans that could voice their opinions online that this was way off the reservation. 
Now do a two This is getting out of control. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, those. I, I guess in that in that context, you do. A, I guess you do a retrospective dive into the OT, and and maybe you cling a little harder to it. Um, we've had a lot of runway between then and now. Um, for me, like first getting into Star Wars, A New Hope was my favorite, and then it switched to Jedi. So like the two of you guys. Return of the Jedi was my top movie of the three for a while. And I got a, I remember getting a, a, an issue of Star Wars Insider in the mid-90s. Like, kind of when the Star Wars rebirth was happening with the, uh, the VHS set coming out. Uh, and this is before the special editions. Yeah, it was the THX version. Oh, those are, that was summer, man. That's the essence of summer to me. No work. 12 or 13 years old, waiting for that THX thing. Like, not a care in the world. Parents just, aren't home all day. Yeah, just every day. Literally every day of, of the summer of 94, I think. Just playing those cassettes one after another after another for like two and a half months on summer vacation. Um, but at, yeah, it was some point in the, I, I want to say like 93, 94. And I got an issue of Star Wars Insider. Something Empire themed was on the cover. It, and it just said like, this is my movie. That's the movie. And things have obviously been happening like subconsciously for that picture just sort of like okay like that's this is my movie now and ever since i mean it's 25 years ago now uh empires had a firm grasp as as my top movie of at the time it was the ot and nothing has dethroned it since and i keep we keep you know every once in a while like do you think we've seen our favorite star wars movie and I keep holding out hope that eh, maybe something will come in, come along and knock it out. So far, no deal. But uh, yeah, Carlos, it's it's a hard hard ask. It's a hard ask. I mean, what are you gonna do with 40, 40 years of history with a movie of loving something so so much? Uh, we got into this very lightly, but Carlos, why why is Empire your favorite? Uh, I think I mentioned it before. It's it's the subtlety. Uh, in the performances, it's it's um, obviously it's the expansion of the difference between a new hope and empire is like, hey sir, I dropped your, I, dro- I dropped your fries in the oil, like <laughs> that that that's like a new hope, and then Empire Strikes Back is like. It expands the universe and and our understanding of the force and what we see uh, from the force. Uh, it just it, it's like Star Wars grew up quickly, <laughs> you know, from what yeah, from one movie to the next. Like it had a huge tonal shift for the better, right? Like. There was points where uh, in the production where I think 20th Century Fox, they weren't quite sold on what was going on. Like they wanted just another Star Wars movie, another happy-go-lucky whiz-bang adventure. And and it wasn't. Like it was part two of, of, of an unfolding saga in Lucas's mind. Um, Corey, why is Empire your favorite? Well, first and foremost, I, I want to state 
on the record, I know I've said it here before, but I still remember seeing this film for the first time in like 85 or 86, and I couldn't even finish it. Like the moment we got to Luke facing down Vader, the hallway, the atmosphere, the setting, it was pretty much nightmare fuel for me as a kid. Like I was really scared. Like I pretty much was like, yep, I'm out. Peace, Kyle. <laughs> I don't think the basement in the dark helped, but uh, either way, like Empire is really like, it's the heart of the OT. Like Carlos was kind of alluding to this. It expands on the universe in a huge way. It takes such a hard right from a new hope. A new hope suffers from the fact that they figured that it was going to be a single film. You know, they never really imagined that it wasn't entitled a new hope or it wasn't titled a new hope. You know, it was just star Wars and they kind of, it closes this itself up. It's a nice little story, but it leaves it open for more. They got the green light and they went ahead. So a new hope suffers from budget and that they didn't know, know they were doing more, but this film, again, it just takes such a hard right from a new hope. And it's so different that the, not only does the universe grow in such a huge way, the characters become so much more refined and defined, specifically more like Luke, Han, Leia, and Vader in particular. But I don't know, like it's really, I say it's the heart of the OT because not only is it in the center and it's the sequel, the sequels have some kind of a stigma, but this film like harkens back to A New Hope and it looks ahead to Return of the Jedi, right? Like, it gives you one of the most pivotal moments in cinematic history, you know, with the whole uh, Vader thing. Like, it, it puts all the elements, these various elements and variables together to want this, this final resolution. Like, there's no way that, you know, it, like, all our, all our rebels and our the heroes of, our, of this saga, they take a beating in this film – and by the end of it all, like the audience, you know, if you don't, you're a sadist basically, but, or if you don't like Star Wars, whatever. But if you're a Star Wars fan and you're watching this film, you're like, oh my God, like there needs to be some kind of reckoning here. There needs to be some kind of, uh, the light side needs to see, to, to come out on top again. Like the galaxy far, far away needs to be righted. And the, the emotional connection that this film provides in that sense is, it's astounding like I think the real thing that sells this film, though, is I don't know how they did it. It's like they put like Vaseline on the lens or something, man. But there's something magical about the entire film from a cinematographic standpoint. Like Dagobah. Well, first of all, Hoth. Hoth is an magical, uh, an amazing technological feat, like from a visual effects standpoint. And you watch it as a, as a kid or watch it at any time, and it's just exciting. It's so bright, uh, such a different place. It's, it's the, the scale is so vast compared to the first film. You know, you're stepping into new territory when you're watching the film. And again, like Dagobah, uh, Cloud City, these places are literally magical in the sense that they invoke these feelings and emotions in me that, it's really hard to describe like the innards of cloud city. Like I said before, were kind of like nightmare fuel. Uh, the showdown between Luke and Vader, like everything that Ralph McQuarrie drew or they all envisioned. It's just so 
uh, encompassing and like it just encapsulating. You know what I mean? Like it, I'm entranced by it. Like when I watched it the first few times, like it's the settings and the way they they filmed it, uh, the the stage production, whatever you want to call it. It it's it's magical. The whole film is magical. And again, it's 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 not the film that you would expect. Like Kyle said, like they wanted this whiz bang adventure. This film is not that. This film is modern myth. And even as a child, you kind of you're able to pick up on that. You know, it's not just some kind of adventure. Like people are emotionally invested in these characters. And yeah, anyway, it's just the uh, the deep nature of it all and the vision is incredible the courage to be able to make a film like this just uh they really believed in the franchise at this point you know and it, it just shines through cocaine was a hell of a drug man <laughs> well that's a nice way to end that off <laughs> anyway like there's there's something just magical about the entire film like especially the... well, that's that's kirshner like he's a he's a huge fairy tale guy he's a huge character guy um that's that's you know, you've mentioned as... this before too like Kyle the, the whole Luke Yoda thing like oh Jesus for yeah. Mark Hamill to be able to sell that like even to this day I do not I don't know there's something about Yoda that it just works so well when he's arguing with R2 the way he speaks to Luke it's perfect yeah like and on a very superficial level like watching this as a little kid, one of the things that, that drew me into the movie was was the Hoth setting, that battle in the snow. Like, 40, 40 minutes of the movie is set on this snow planet, and you never see that. And to this day, like, you still don't see that very often. And uh, living in a country as we do that is covered in snow for, for a good chunk of the year, that really connected with me. You know, it felt like I can relate to that environment. It's It's... <laughs> seriously, like it's these things that you, that pull you into a movie and, and make you feel what the characters are feeling. I know what those bitter winds feel like. I know what it, how you're, hard it can be to trudge through snow. You, so you know that your Tauntaun won't make it past the first marker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really hard on them, you know, but it's those little things that, you know, watching, watching a new hope. Like I love tattooing the tattooing scenes, but I don't know what it feels like to live with sandstorms, you know, like, so, but Hoth, I do get, and then getting older, uh, it was really, it was very much like the, the darker tone and Corey, one of Corey's favorite words, mysticism. Um, and I, and I think one of the things like before a name was put to it, the subverted expectations, like those were all things that made empire sing. And again, like coming off of a, a New Hope, which which is really that movie is just pure joy put onto screen. Like here comes this sequel where the heroes just get their asses kicked, and you leave them in that sling until Return of the Jedi. And I I, I cannot get enough of of Empire. Like of the three movies, like it's it's definitely the most dramatic of the bunch. Uh-huh. From a character standpoint, um, and it it doesn't have the same frantic uh, George Lucas energy and pacing that A New Hope has, or even Return of the Jedi, even though that was Richard Marquand. Like 
the, faster, more intense. The, the tone of and the pacing of Empire is a little more drawn out. There's a little more space for the character moments to breathe, you know. And and I'm pretty sure that's because of Kirshner. Um, I agree, man. Like he brought it was George made the right decision in letting go there. Well, yeah, he was he was busy like getting Lucasfilm set up as a business once and for all and ILM and Empire is the movie that as much as Lucasfilm or you know was put on the map by A New Hope Empire is what like really propelled Lucasfilm and ILM into the stratosphere as the entities that they are now like Empire freed Lucas from those shackles forever um which is amazing to me but yeah the the, the human element of empire is i think more present in this movie and ultimately i think that for a lot of people that's kind of what pulls you in to the movie a lot more and to think but it's also like you said the, the visual effects man are just even to this day when i watch it i'm like oh man they're so good yeah well yeah for sure i mean there's some scenes now that yeah like, they, they don't hold up seeing the stop the motion motion-ton. tauntauns with the miniature yeah like the the action figure type dolls on on the back, like that doesn't hold up so well. But like the, the scope and the vision, and like the cinematography, like so much of that stuff is just unbelievable. People had never seen anything like that, like before since the first Star Wars, right? Like I've watched other like uh, sci-fi flicks from that era, and. Damn, the visual effects just nowhere near. No, you can't even touch Star Wars, man. No, when no. it comes to that, not even Star Trek, you know. No, definitely not. Um, and and again, like going back to the the emotional core of the movie of of Mark Hamill with this little green puppet. Like, if that doesn't work, the movie dies, and Star Wars probably dies. And it's like it. For for Mark Hamill to just go all in, acting opposite of this inanimate object, with you know strings attached to it and and people under the floor and remote control eyes and it, it's crazy to me that you know that you're looking at a like a two foot tall puppet, but you believe it to be real. Yeah, it's. So and, well done, man. That says a lot about Frank Oz too, though. Oh, for sure. But it, it says a lot about, you know, as, as our sort of the uh, the person we connect to, like the our, our eyes into this trilogy as of Luke, he, Mark Hamill just makes it work. And you don't question it for a second. Like you never question that Mark Hamill is like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. Like he go he goes all in. And makes you believe that this little green guy is is every bit the master that he he's Luke believes he's he is. And yeah, but even I, as a kid, when you see that part of it too, is there's something so special about Yoda being that little brat, and then being like, "Wars not make one great," like all that stuff, and then be like judge me by my size like no one's expecting i'm sure the first time that's like a double whammy like when you're in theaters you see this character you're like not one person was like that's yoda right off the bat you no, know what i mean like no. like who's this little weird alien guy exactly so when you see that too it's like oh 
then you then you then it really starts to deepen your understanding of what the force and the Jedi could and should be, you know? Like that's a really like well, that's put thing it's, in perspective. It's that subverted moment. expectation. Like we were expecting Luke to go find some samurai warrior similar to Obi Wan. Instead, nope. There's this little that's tiny it, really, guy. Like you think to... Obi Wan could have said, "Hey Luke, go to Dagobah, find the Yoda, the the guy who trained me." By the way, he's really really small. You might miss <laughs> him. You know, like that that would have been helpful information. Um, Carlos, favorite scenes. Um, favorite scene. Uh, I would say my favorite moment is when uh, Luke enters. That um, he he's on Bespin and he's he's kind of like looking for Han and and Leia, uh, and he goes through that uh, that tube uh, with the lights. Yeah, and there's that stop like uh, when the door closes. Yeah, exactly. Like Rogue exactly. One, like Rogue One mimicked that shot in a trailer, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, I just as a kid, even now, it still looks great, man. It's such a cool like, shot. Oh, it's, it looks fantastic. So that for me is near the top, I would say. Um, but obviously, that whole the whole fight with Vader was was great. Oh, to me, it's still the best duel in the whole saga and it's to me it's not even close yeah i don't know it's it's tough because the the duel uh on uh death star 2 is pretty is pretty epic itself yeah uh, but the, i think the music makes that one more dramatic yeah dave floney outlined the duel of fates as well in a big way that makes it uh pretty hard to beat too that's uh that's a very good point mm-hmm. um yeah, I would say I would say that 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 duel is uh, is awesome. I love the asteroid chase. The music in the asteroid chase is oh, oh man. Yeah, if you want to talk about music, uh, Corey, I, I think we we can we can all uh, hit on that right now. But that asteroid well, chase is Battle amazing. Of Hoth. Come on, uh, the music in the Battle of Hoth, man. Oh, so it's okay. Even it's even okay. the sounds of the at ats or ATATs. Are like incorporated in the beats, you know what I mean? Like the way they move and crank and crank, and it's all part of the of it, man. It's so good. Well, just just on the asteroid chase music. I know we're celebrating Empire, but I think the the one occasion where I can say like, I think somebody took J Dub stuff and amped it up a little, and maybe it's even better, is John Powell in the solo se- soundtrack. Like when he when they do the Kessel Run and they put in the asteroid chase music, with those pounding drums, I think it's actually better. It's like and when it, they're stuck in the maelstrom, right? Like uh, that it, part. It's right at the beginning. It's 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 as the Tie Fighters are chasing the Falcon. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, I I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Corey, do you have a any favorite scenes you want to highlight? Oh, God. I mean, again, the Battle of Hoth, just again, for the music and some of the visuals, like I always just see that land speeder on high diving down low in between the legs, you know? Like seeing that in theater must must be like, whoa. So good. Like, uh, like I like what you said, Kyle, like relating to the snow planet 
so like a lot of the visual stuff on on Hoth was pretty cool. Definitely uh, the kiss between Han and Leia with C-3PO interrupting on the Falcon while they're trying to repair it's classic. Well, and that, you know, that's a, sorry, that's another thing about Empire that often goes unspoken is that it's it might be there's the a lot fun, of humor. It's a, there's a lot of jokes in the movie. Yep. For you know, the first thing that jumps to everybody's mind about Empire is how dark it is, but it, there's a lot of jokes in the movie. A lot of wise cracks. Jokes and jokes. And it's, it goes on, it goes unspoken, but it's, it, you know, I I think until rise of Skywalker came around, empire may have been also the, the darkest, but also the funniest of the star Wars movies. Like three PO and R2 bickering over wet laundry. You know, on the surface, switch off. (laughs) You know, on the surface, when you say, if you say that R2, if, if you read a spoiler report saying, ah, we, we got the spoiler report that R2 and 3PO are arguing over wet laundry, you'd go, excuse me, what are they doing in Star Wars 2? Like, this is, uh, is going to be a, a, a travesty. They don't know what to do. They don't, they don't know Star Wars. They're ruining it. But it's one of those jokes that it's like, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. And the movie is riddled with them. I think yeah. uh, Force Awakens has a lot of those comedic things. Like, who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Uh, they all tried playing on it a bit after. You know, well, why do you got to go back to Jakku? Got a boyfriend? Cute boyfriend? Like, um, yeah, there's 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 some stuff in there that uh, yeah. can be construed as funny. Um, but well, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, Empire has and that's what makes it the best is that you have these crazy like mystical things and then you have like the darkness and then you have this light-hearted joking even in like dire circumstances you know the Han and Leia thing too yeah sorry oh I don't have time for anything else you know like it's oh what a sick burn that was too yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, like, there's you know Han and Leia and, and Chewie and the gang. They're captured by the Empire, and Chewie is is Han. Han, to... I love you. I, the I love you moment. That's a big moment. I love that. I'm a cornball like that. That's, yeah, that's, that's a huge moment. But like three PO is trying to rebuild three PO, and you know you you you, know, you flea bitten furball like. And, and Chewie's laughing at three PO because his head's on backwards. And here's that you're in this moment where the, our heroes are captured by Darth freaking Vader, and Chewie is laughing at three PO. Like you would think that the, okay, this is not the time for jokes, guys, but it is, and it works. It so works. Yeah. Like everything in this movie just works. I. For me, it's like it's so unbelievably hard to pick a favorite scene, and a huge part of the reason why I love this movie so much is, is because I love every minute of this movie. Like there's yeah. no front to back, like there's no part of this movie where the movie loses me. It's also a lot of the visuals too. That's a big part of it. Like the way they married the two. Like uh, I, I would have to say, I think my favorite moment would be. I've never even really thought about this, but like when Luke finally goes through all those doorways and stuff, like Carlos said, it's all so iconic. That whole leading up to that scene 
But when he finally gets to the room where Vader's at, you know what I mean? The colors, the setting, that orange on blue and black. One of the greatest shots in all of Star Wars. Oh. That's on my Mount Rushmore of great shots in Star Wars. Yeah, there's there's something about that that is just magic, man. Like lightning in a bottle. Well, that again, like that's you know to kick off that fight of of Luke versus Vader, the whole time, that whole duel. Uh, you're kind of seeing Darth Vader through Luke's eyes, and Luke is always sort of framed as as like the underdog against this. The, the evil of the galaxy and Vader's at the top of the stairs. He's got the high ground. Like Vader always looks so imposing and Mark Hamill does a great job of this. Like he's giving the impression, like he, he acts it so that you know that Luke's in over his head. Like Luke, he puts up his best fight. He puts on his bravest face, but he's outclassed big time in this fight. Right? Like it's, Vader probably could have had Luke at any moment if he really wanted to. Like Vader had his had his agenda, and uh, like I I I love that part of the duel because Luke is is so overmatched yet he just hangs in there, and he just he just he will go down swinging. He's gonna he'll he'll die for his friends, and I love yeah, that first first super jump ever. That was pretty awesome. Force ability, you know, most impressive, yeah, yeah, that was really cool. But I, I think one of the great scenes in all of Star Wars is is Yoda telling Luke about the Force and then raising the X wing. You know, like, yeah, this is why you fail. So good. Oh, and just the way the, the cut there, and it cuts away at that point, right? And you're like, oh my god, and like you. We get this deep dive into the Force from this backwards-talking little green alien. And this little thing was giggling and trashing Luke's stuff a few scenes ago. And now he's giving Luke a major dressing down. And yeah, Dude, Yoda's demeanor changes hardcore from one to the next. Like, goddamn thing's a puppet, man. Like you said, like, so happy. You love this guy. But I'll tell you one thing. Yoda scared the crap out of me when he's like, Luke's like, I'm not afraid. And he's like, you will be. You will be. I was like, oh, Yoda's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, you know, being being a Jedi is, is, is the only thing that Luke wants. And, and Yoda tells him he's failed. And, like, Luke's got this grimace on his face like, I suck. <laughs> you know, and... And with that scene, like I have such a great time imagining how audiences would re- and certain segments of that of the audience would react to that scene today. And when you when you look at how Poe gets dismantled by Leia and Holdo, how and how that sent some fans like into a frothing at the mouth frenzy. Like I gotta, I wonder just how giving our our Jedi hero a dressing down by a little green frog would go down nowadays but that's that's a conversation for another day mm-hmm. um yeah like the asteroid chase like to finally see I mean, cause we see the falcon in a new hope but it every time it's on screen it's just it's not doing anything it's just kind of like just kind of 
coasting along in a straight line through space. That's all they could do with it in 77. But now they've they've got the stop motion thing down and they've got this thing opened up and it's a free-flowing falcon in through space, through this asteroid uh, belt. It's absolutely exhilarating. To this day, it's still such a good chase. Um, there's... I. You don't go more than a few minutes in this movie before you get to a scene that is just like pure magical Star Wars. And then uh, the, the way it kind of winds you up at the end uh, with the escape from Cloud City, which I love. It's gives, it gives you one of the greatest moments for me. One of my greatest moments in, in Star Wars is when R2 finally gets that door open. Yep. And they all... They all and the sp- music swells. Oh, Christ. It's like textbook like how do you make a, a great movie do this it's just yeah it's like the the setting it's the clouds though too man the color of the sky or something it's, it's fantasy like, it, it's it's high fantasy that's what this is but they encapsulate it you know what i mean they 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 really get it right on screen yeah I, and you know, I don't know how much Kirshner had to do with the exact look of all this stuff, but it's like it's the most fairy tale. And I think Pablo Hidalgo said this once, like like Empire is the most fairy tale of the Star Wars movies. And I think it, it's also in look uh, the most, at least to that point, the most fairy tale-ish. And it, a lot of it's Cloud City and a lot of it's Dagobah. Um, <laughs> we talked about the, the lightsaber duel. I, again, I still think that's the best in all of Star Wars, just from the dramatic tension of it all, and because you know now watching it, you know it's coming, and you, you, it's it's the the most iconic, like, shocking reveal of all time. And Star Wars has tried to duplicate itself and tried to replicate that moment. No, like Star Wars hasn't been able to do it. No other franchise, I don't think, has been able to pull off the shock reveal like quite like that moment. I can't think of, I can't think of another moment where just, no, no one, no one, I honestly don't think that anyone can or will. And even if they do, they're going to get called out on it. Like, I mean, there was a pretty good, a pretty, there's good... been some shockers out there, but that was one for the ages, man. Like if, if anybody's watched uh, hunters on Amazon, there's a pretty good shocking reveal in the final episode that I did not see coming until like two seconds before. And it, it by that point it's too late. You, you get it. You get caught right in the jaw. <laughs> it, it gets you. Uh, but yeah, I mean that I am your father I, moment. Go ahead, Carlos. Uh, I was going to say the M-, M night Shyamalan, like uh, the sixth sense. True. Was yeah. prob- That's... probably very, very um, anybody who said they saw that coming. Um, oh, it was a liar, a straight up liar. Straight up, like I mean, the, the the I I had questions, but I, I didn't put two and two together. Like I'd be like, why is he always wearing the same damn clothes? Like it, it kind of bugged me. But um, yeah, it's um, they kind of also he telegraphed it when he's like Haley Joel Osment is just looking straight at him and he says, "I see dead people." Like <laughs> he yeah, they, they, he just kind of openly tells you, right? Yeah right there and uh it's such a such a, anyways that i think that's in movie history you can go with i am your father and yeah i see dead and, people yeah that's true that's I, a very good pull 
but still like the, you, uh, can, you can count on on one hand the number of yeah of, like real slobber knocker reveals yeah that, that that was gonna be my point was that you know you could you could probably find a couple but they're few and far between like it's raised a palpatine wah, wah, yeah. wah. no that was crap dude comparatively speaking yeah that does it i I don't know if that's what they were going for. Like, we need that moment. And we talked about that moment, right? Leading up to Rise of Skywalker saying, like, we haven't had that shocking reveal that Star Wars loves to do. Are we going to get that in Rise of Skywalker? They tried. And I don't know that it landed nearly in the same no same galaxy as yeah, I'm your exactly. father. Exactly. I was, I was going to say that. Different galaxy, man. Just It just doesn't work. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry. I don't. I don't mean to say that it doesn't work, but it's it's apples and oranges. You said it, though. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I, I did say it, didn't I? <laughs> well, that's um, funny. Yeah, I mean, the, the "I love you, I know" moment, and to you know, to think about what could have been had Harrison Ford not improved that line. It was. It was. I don't know if it was a George Lucas line or not, but. It was schlocky and cheesy as hell before Harrison Ford was like, no, no, here's what this guy would say. <laughs> and it's a, that's a, a huge moment. Yep. A huge moment. So it gives him so much hand in the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> He's got hand. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and the cliffhanger ending too. Like, again, like our, our heroes get, roundly stomped through the movie separated from from each other one of them we don't know if he's back or not and it's and one of them is just the the core the main character is left reeling and his world is turned upside down and then the movie ends and you're just like ah what it's like you're kind of, you're kind of con- consoled by the fact it's like look his hand got fixed he's in a bathrobe he looks pretty comfortable <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just I mean the way it ends like Luke and Leia together and it's like you get this and it you know the camera zooms out and it's it's just on the two of them with the two droids and That's a beautiful shot though. Oh, it's a wonderful shot, but you know as as you see them just sort of alone and you know looking out that window. Yeah, they're saying goodbye to Lando and Chewie. I love it like we're going to find Han. Like it's like the moment of hope. Well, listen, I I look at almost like there, there. Of course, there's hope, but like they're ice. There's like the rebel. The rebel alliance is so isolated, and and Luke is just. There's nobody that can help Luke right now. And like all the heroes are just in the worst spot possible, and the movie ends that way, and it's just so not. Like. Now it seems almost like yeah okay this is just, you know. The second chapter of a, of a blockbuster is going to do this to us, but at the time, it did, that wasn't really the case. That didn't happen. And, and no, again, no one's really been able to do that again. Like a lot of blockbusters don't come off this way. Like, yes, they lead. If you're making a trilogy, they're going to leave it open ended or whatever. But this, I'm on a different page from you, Kyle. Like, it is bleak, but at the same time, it seems like a bit of a happy moment, a happy sad moment. Like. At least they're back with the rebellion. You know, the rebellion's traveling together in like a herd. You know, everybody's safe. They've escaped the the wrath of Hoth or what could have been. 
you know, it's it's and again, you you see Lando wearing Han's clothing for some weird reason, and they're all happy. Everybody's like, "We'll see you on t- like at the rendezvous point yeah, or whatever." You know, you've 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 seen Luke a different person because when he parts with Han, he's sort of still like almost like the teenager, and then at the end, he's he's almost like calling out battle plans, like "We'll we'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine." Like Luke's planning now, and they're there's been like a an arc with the characters and they're more mature at this point. They've been experienced. They've gone through some yeah. stuff and now they're coming out the other end and they're, I guess on the upward swing of, exactly. of resolving all this. So the, yeah, you're right. There is, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, but you're just emotionally exhausted by this movie just to see your heroes getting crushed. Big time. And it, and it's, Again, like you said, Kyle, like subverted expectations. It's not something you'd really think would happen in a film like this. But the way Lucas kind of envisioned it after, again, the, the, the success of A New Hope kind of retitles the film or entitles the film A New Hope after the fact being part four. And that just drives people absolutely mental at the same time. So now you have part five. And anyway, like he – all. All cylinders firing at this point in the early 80s, late 70s. Let's talk about the music. Like for me, the soundtrack is a miracle. It's it's an, an immense step above the New Hope soundtrack, which was revolutionary and transcendent in itself, which won, I think, the yeah. Oscar for best original score. But this, I mean, this to me elevates and goes to another level entirely. The whole thing is incredible. Uh, I agree with you, especially like I was mentioning before, like my, you guys are the big audio files and whatnot. But um, the main thing that I'm going to take away from these things is not only that is the music amazing, but like I said prior, the Battle of Hoth, like the sounds of the machines and the sounds of the weapons, everything works together. And it kind of goes like that almost throughout the entire film, I find. Yeah, well, Car- Carlos, what do you have to say about the music in this? I was going to say there's not one note that seems out of place in the whole soundtrack. Yeah. And- it, it just, it's just per- like, it, honestly, like, I think it's just perfection. The, the whole damn thing is perfection. And even the places where they, uh, where they don't have music in the movie, it's like, yeah, that was the right call. And like, there's... So I listen to the when I listen to the Star Wars soundtracks, the OT, I I do it with the special editions, the, the dual disc one, which incorporates music that was not used in the movie. So I hear stuff I'm like I recognize this as Star Wars, but it's not in the movie. What is this? And there's a whole sequence of music for uh the beginning of the film when you see uh it's it's right after Luke's been attacked by the Wampa and Han shows up back at Echo Base and he's strutting around and he's walking around and all you hear is like people re- fixing ships and you hear tauntauns in the background. There's no music. Originally there was, but they cut it out and just to, like, just to let them, the scene breathe and let the ambiance of, of that environment be the soundtrack. And even that's yeah. perfectly done. Yep. I love that so much, but like, like this, this is like the, I think is it the 27 Yankees or the 28 Yankees, which was just that ridiculous team that had uh, like DiMaggio and uh, Lou Gehrig 
and Babe Ruth and on and on. It was just like this stupid roster, which you couldn't believe. Like to me, this soundtrack is that. And it's like you have Yoda's theme. You've got the Imperial March, the Asteroid Chase, like 11 minutes of Battle of Hoth. Uh, like the, the whole Luke versus Vader bit, the escaping of Bespin, the finale. It's... It, Christ, it it goes on and on. Han and Leia have a theme. It's ridiculous. And I I don't see the soundtrack being touched by anything else ever, by anyone. Like, and, and the, I think the really special thing about this soundtrack is like you can't just point to one track and go, this is the song from that soundtrack. Like when you look at the Phantom Menace soundtrack, what song comes to mind? Duel of Fates. Yeah. Uh, Attack of the Clones. Across Between the stars. the stars. Across the stars. Uh, yeah, across the stars. Can you do Revenge of the Sith? Oh, for me, yeah. it's the March on the Temple. It's got to be the one that's. Uh, what's the one that's climaxing at the uh, when they're fighting a Battle on, of uh, Heroes? Yeah. Not, again, not necessarily Which... my favorite on on that soundtrack. Like, but like, there's from for for the prequel movies, and I'm and I'm not trying to knock down the prequels here. Like, soundtracks are great. But the, each one has like, oh yeah, like oh that's the soundtrack with with Duel of the Fates on it. Like nobody else can mention any other music off that soundtrack. True. You know, um, like it, they're very much a case of one song carrying the the bulk of the mail for that soundtrack, and you just don't get that with Empire. Like it's 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 a transcendent soundtrack to me, start to finish. Like it's just like you can play some of the stuff. Everybody knows Darth Vader's theme. Or the Imperial March. It's not Vader's theme. It's Imperial March. But yeah. everybody knows that. Right? Whether you like Star Wars or not, you know what that is. Like, at at, at uh, Montreal Canadiens games, when the, when the Canadians go on the power play, they play the Imperial March. And, and I'm sure they're not the only pro sports team to do it. Uh, like, I, I, at my, my wedding, we used it. <laughs> my, my wife actually played a prank on me. Um <laughs> She did. Like she, she spoke to our, our my buddy who was DJing the wedding, and she goes, "Oh, instead of like play like the you know the, the music." Actually, he was playing guitar as she walks down the aisle. But she goes, "Then stop and put in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, play the Imperial March." Like and that was my That's wife's funny. idea. That was her call, and they did that, and it was hilarious. And everybody laughs because everybody knows that music. Um, yeah, I, the whole the whole damn thing. It's just. So unbelievably good, and it didn't win the Oscar. Mystical. For, Say it again. It did not win the Oscar for best soundtrack, which to me is lunacy. What did that year? Do you know? No. I can find out, but uh, Carlos, what do you think? I mean, wrapping this up a little bit now. Um, the legacy of Empire Strikes Back where it is today and where, where do you see it going in the future? Mm. The thing about empire is that it's, it's shot so beautifully and like the cinematography is, it still holds up today. Um, I think it's going to be, it's the benchmark for all star Wars movies. Like the, the the sequel trilogy has its faults, like everything else, 
but one thing you have to give it is they the, the they look fantastic yeah i i'd say it's kind of like the same thing in a way like they could have had their stuff together a little more but the last jedi is definitely the empire of that saga i can't say the same for this the attack of the clones well that's just mean of you cory well i mean i'm not saying attack of the clones is whatever i mean it's got a birthday and all that and the film has grown on me and honestly like i don't know how this happened but it's the film i've seen most in theater for a star wars film or any film so i just looked it up uh fame won for best original soundtrack in 1980 yep right Not, not to knock fame or anything. It's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's got its merits. But let's be, let's be for real here for a minute. Come on, Corey. What do you think? Legacy of Empire. Were you sorry, Carlos? Were you done? Did, or did, did you have more to say? Have you? Um, as far as the legacy of, yeah, I think it's the benchmark, and uh, it's going to be tough for uh, most. You know, I don't think so. I think I, I'll say this. I think the prequels um, helped to boost what they what Kirshner did in in Empire. Let's just say that, like, because the directors of the the, the all the other movies um, and the screenplays were quite good i think everything that you know you could say it doesn't have the same soul as what george did but what disney look what disney film sorry what disney uh, has done (laughs) 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 wow uh yeah the disney films all have a beautiful the cinematography and um i think their the scripts were were done and, and directed very well. Um, I mean, you could argue the merits of whether or not the decisions they made were something that you would do, but you can't say that they aren't beautiful. And I think that what Empire did created that template yeah. for them moving forward. Because even... Even uh, Return of the Jedi kind of took a step back uh, visually from what they did in Empire. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think the best the best looking part of, of Return of the Jedi is Jabba's palace. Um, that's a yeah. That, that's I, that's incorrect. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's uh, I I, I come on. The throne room was yeah, it's really good, good. It's really good too. Yeah. Throne room was good. The space battle was was great. It was fun, but it's like okay, we could see the you could see the squares, the panels. <laughs> like it, it was, yeah. I think George was like, "How many more toys can we make?" As opposed to like focusing on, you know, making the thing better. Anyways, but. Um, yeah. 
Corey, what about you? Empire's Legacy, both like what? What do you? Where is it today? Where do you think it will be 10, 20 years from now? I think for the most part, like you said, uh, just so iconic, man. Like it's always going to – like Carlos said, I think it's it's set the standard. It's risen the bar. It's really distilled Star Wars essence. So I think all films moving forward are going to really feed from that pool, really go to that well and – just uh, take pointers from it. You know what I mean? Like it's a magical film. It just really translates well. And moving forward, I think people again, I, I think it's going to maintain a spot in my opinion. Unfortunately, I think it's, there's just too many cool things that happen in the film and the the circumstance surrounding everything, the timing of it all. It was a moment in time and you can't really capture that again. Like we've just mentioned star Wars has tried to kind of give you other really shock value moments. I just don't think it's ever going to come to that again. Like everybody's defenses are up. It's evolved. The franchise has evolved. It's totally different now. So again, like it's a bit of a template to learn from, and to grow from like it's not to always continually remake the same thing it's to to look at the broader strokes that it painted and said you know like this is star wars let's take some bold deep cuts on it and it's definitely the top the top it's the legacy man like you said it is a legacy unto itself yeah like i i think I hope, I think I, maybe I hope more than I think, um, that Empire will continue to stand the test of time. Part of me wonders if it's at its at the peak of its popularity right now, and or maybe we're cresting that wave now. And I, I see it more and more online uh, where people say it's overrated or, or not as good as people make it out to be. And my own bias here, I... I completely disagree with that i think this movie is as good as it's it's proven to be over the years and more but i also think there's always sort of a a natural pushback on things that are generally thought of to be the best and some people just like to tear things down uh, in order to prop something else up um and some you know some people just like to be contrarian and um I, that I think we see a bit more and more these days. Um, so in that regard, knocking Empire in that way has become a little bit of a, a, a fashion statement, which I think is bullshit, <laughs> which is just silly. Um, but yeah, I think the qualities of this movie will will last like forever. Like there's there's you're not going to take away Mark Hamill and Yoda. You you'll never take that away. Um, You'll never negate the soundtrack. Uh, just, just, there's, there's so much the, the mood of the movie. The thing that the thing that Kirshner does through the whole thing, the the mood that he establishes through that, is just so uh, consistent throughout the movie, and it, it the way it, it's it's now come to symbolize sort of the. Uh, growth of what Star Wars can be. Like A New Hope was one thing, Empire was 
something completely different. And it's that completely different thing that sort of allowed Star Wars to breathe freely. And uh, it became its own thing, man. It wasn't like a typecast. It was like, holy cow, this is deep. Yeah, and, and I do think the things in this movie, like the things that this movie achieves, will continue to keep it near the like the very top of Star Wars movies for for a long, long time. Like I think it's that entrenched as a uh, a timeless classic. Yeah, yeah, it's a modern. It's the modern myth. Myths and legends don't really get old. It's just how you tell them. And just, you know, the gravity of the moment, again, not to go back to I Am Your Father again, but just that moment resonated so hard, underline, so hard, that in just a couple of years, or a few years later, that moment is being lampooned in, in Spaceballs and Bill and Ted and in, in, like, so many other places. Like, it's such a huge moment. Uh, you don't really see that, like moments in pop culture now, like do they get lampooned or re- referenced like just a couple of years later? Like that moment is so huge. And so like, that's going to be a, like that is one of the defining things of star of, of empire's legacy. That moment, like again, um, which is the Chris Farley moment, Tommy boy. They play with that reveal there. Like it's just, it's, that being part of Empire's legacy is something that it, it will never live down. Uh, but it's also something that nobody can live up to. And Star Wars itself like keeps trying to live up to it, and it just can't. So maybe just yeah, leave that tough. alone. Maybe just it's leave tough, it alone. for sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, think th- I think that's going to do it for, for our sort of love fest for Empire. I think it's just it's my favorite movie of all time. Obviously my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. It's maybe unlikely to to change, but man, it just does wonders for me on on every level, both just watching the, watching the movie, listening to the soundtrack, everything about the tone of that movie, the music, everything just is absolutely perfect to me. And if I could take one Star Wars movie to the grave, it would be this one. Um, so yeah, that's it. I, I think we're done. I think we're done. Nice. All right, gang. Um, a, another lengthy episode for you. Hope you guys enjoyed it, but uh, that we're going to put a pin in it for this week. Um, if you want to be a part of the podcast, you can send your questions to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Uh, we'll read them in a future episode of the podcast. By all means, don't be shy. If you've got questions, if you have thoughts, Send them to us. We will we will get them into the show. Uh, if you want to help us out, there are several ways in which you can do that. Uh, first is to make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, share our episodes with your friends, both on social media and in person. If they need more Star Wars in their life, hey, you've got these three Canucks up above the border there. Go listen to them. Uh, you can leave us a review. Uh, let us know that you've done that. Uh, but le- definitely leave us some reviews. We'll read those on the podcast. Um, and if you're feeling crazy, you can become a powerful friend on Patreon and, uh, you can support us there and you'll get all kinds of extra audio content for your dollars every month. So go check that out. Patreon dot, patreon.com slash tumbling saber, become a powerful friend. And, uh, you know, we we would really love to have your support. Uh, and a shout out to our good friend, Rob Wade, currently of talk star Wars, which is on hiatus, but also of E14. And he endorses this episode of the podcast and all episodes of Tumbling Saber as part of the E14 endorsed, endorsed program, 
which you can learn more about at emotionally14.com. So go check it out. Tell Rob we said you said hi. Uh, all right. Be sure to check out our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, now featuring more Skyhoppers. Uh, we got eight great shows. Everyone's doing something in the Star Wars universe a little bit differently, so we got you covered. Whatever it is you like about Star Wars, the Star Wars Commonwealth will have you covered in your podcast needs. So go check that out. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Twitter. You can find uh, the Star Wars Commonwealth as a podcast provider on Apple Podcasts. So that's it, guys. With all that out of the way, Carlos, social media, where can we find you? You can find me at C Candido Music on Twitter and Instagram or at The Funny Carlos. Uh, also on Twitter and Instagram, or if you want to check out my music, go to carloscatedomusic.com slash music and uh, give uh, some of my uh, some of my songs a stream. Awesome. Corey, over to you. Guys, I want you to hit me up at Chop Rules with the Z on the Twitter machine. And if not, join us in our closed, safe, cozy haven of a Facebook group it's private. It's uh, it's awesome. Yep, check it out. Come check out our, our Facebook group. It's 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 always hopping. We're always checking out the latest news and having some fun in there with uh, some good pals. No BS in there. No drama. Come check it out. Uh, we'll let you right in. Um, you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Tumbling Saber. Real simple. Love to connect with you there, and uh, hopefully we will. So that's going to do it for this week, guys. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Let us know what you think. Um, Share your love for Empire Strikes Back this week out there on social media. And uh, we'll talk to you guys all again next week in another episode. So have yourselves a great week. Stay safe. And may the Force be with you all. Static draws me closer to your dreams fall away signs blindly to the lions on your face beating strong drifting
the strength that you gave. Those walls you build is all for me and I become the man I want to be your love and your own please don't leave my heart broken and bleeding now you're running now you're running Running, why you running away, darling? Please don't.